Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who one day I'm going to convince to start going back to the gym, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? You really put me on the spot. And this, you know, Trevor, some of your intros are so good, and this one was, was frankly my least favorite, okay? This one's my least favorite. It's putting me right on the spot here. Um, Trevor, I like I told you, move move back to where we're from, okay? And we'll, we'll go all the time. All the time. I'm down. I'm so down, okay? Yeah, I mean, if that if that were to happen, then, you know, we would we could go to the same gym and I'd get you to come with me for sure. Well, you know. Exactly. We'll, we'll see though. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I quite It's an easy solution. <laughs> you're avoiding the solution. Qu- well, I'm now blaming I'm you. I'm avoiding the solution. You're you're not being blamed, Trevor. I quite no, it's your fault. Okay, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe we will um, end up living in the same place again here soon. Hey, you never know. You never know. But uh, we have an exciting podcast today. As always, we have our college football preview later, which of course will be led by the man himself, Trevor. Uh, Ben's not on the podcast today. We're very sad to see it, um, but he'll be back with us next week. Let's start this off. We had uh, some drama this week in the NFL. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., as we all saw. Uh, wanted out of the uh, terrible position he was put in on the Browns. Um, he played horrible, and now he's going to be out. Now he's going to end up being dropped and put on waivers. Um, a lot of drama on this tour. What were your thoughts collectively about you know what happened with Odell? I mean, uh, first of all, this was a, a huge story. I think it was a little bit too big of a story. I got pretty annoyed about it after the second day, um, frankly. But uh, with my thoughts overall on it, um, I mean, the Browns, as we know, their offense has been, you know, really since they got Baker, um, especially over the past two years now where they have been, well, last year, obviously they had a good season and this year until the injuries, they look pretty good, but they've been based around a, a running attack. They are based around like, okay, the strength of our offense is our offensive line. We have probably the best offensive line in the NFL and we have Kareem Hunt. We have Nick Chubb two of the best, I don't know, two of the best six running backs in the NFL, maybe two of the best five, I don't know, something like that. So I, I think that's reasonable to say. Yeah, so yeah. you have this great running attack with this amazing offensive line. Obviously, you're going to want to hand the ball off to those running backs. It makes a lot of sense. It's been very successful for them for the most part. I mean, last year was obviously very successful for them in general. Um, and, you know, when you look at that and you have a player like Odell Beckham Jr., who – plays the wide receiver position so he wants the ball to be thrown to him that does not go in your favor uh very well you know obviously Odell like many other great wide receivers they want to be in an offense where it's centered around a passing attack has a really good quarterback who can throw the deep ball who can throw all these different kinds of routes that can help you obviously you know get your stats get a lot of touchdowns uh, get a nice, you know, new contract, all that kind of stuff. Make a Pro Bowl team, and obviously, you know, you you want to win. But not only do you want to win, if you're Odell, you want to win, and you want to be, uh, you know, like a key part of the offense, right? And as as the Browns have kind of been playing here, he hasn't really been a key part of their offense at all since he's been here. He, in fact, hasn't really done much of anything with the Browns. Um, he's been a non-factor, obviously. He's had a lot of injuries and stuff, but when he has been on the field, he hasn't necessarily been all that great. Um, there have been, I mean, when Baker has thrown the ball, there it's not like he's like catching everything and like after the catch making all these amazing plays. Like he is dropping the ball occasionally, but I think it's it's a balance of like it's a little bit of both here, where like 
Odell has not been as good as he was in his prime. And also, Baker Mayfield is not, you know, this high-volume passer that's going to constantly look to get the ball in your hands. So uh, as far as the blame goes here, I think there can be blame attributed to Baker Mayfield. I think there can be blame attributed to Kevin Stefanski and the way they run their offense. And I think there can be blame attributed to Odell. I think it's kind of not a – I think it's all of them put together. And for Odell to be happy – um, obviously, he, he has already said he wants to go to a championship contender, and he's going to need a championship contender where, you know, that offense is centered, uh, not centered around him, but like where he can come into it as, you know, we have talked about, we talked about before the podcast, we've talked about it this week, like, in the way that Antonio Brown has looked now, now he's injured, of course, but like, the way Antonio Brown has kind of came into this Bucks offense with Tom Brady throwing to him, it's worked really well for him. And it's kind of rejuvenated his career in a mm-hmm. sense, I would say, Um Maybe that same thing can happen with Odell. But uh, what do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I think you said it all pretty well. I mean, the, 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 this was an arranged marriage. I th- that's how I think of it. Odell shouldn't have ever been on the Browns. That trade was an atrocious trade. Really, really bad trade. Um, and, I mean, the way that this offense is set up around Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is not a fabulous downfield thrower. He's not going to be able to throw 40, 50 times a game and do really, really well. In that case, you're probably losing the game. The way the Browns' offense is set up is, you know, around analytics and, and running the ball efficiently uh, and passing the ball efficiently, doing little out routes, doing little slants, um, comeback routes. You know, it's not this, like, down-the-field threat-type offense like Odell is used to in New York. Um, so I, I think you said it perfectly. You know, the great example is Antonio Brown, someone who, you know, went to a team that does throw the ball a lot and has an offense surrounded around its receivers uh, and tight ends. You know, their running attack has not notoriously been great with Tom Brady, but it hasn't needed to be. So I, I think that this was an arranged marriage that should have never happened. Um, it, and some of it is on Odell. I mean, it's not completely on the Browns, Baker, or Stefanski. I mean, Odell was pretty bad with, with Baker. He just wasn't getting enough looks, and even the looks he got, he didn't do you know he didn't do anything super special with them. Um, the, the t- I will say this. There, there's, there's one of two teams I think would be best for him. The, the first best team would be the Raiders. Uh, you know, the Raiders, I think it would be the perfect home for him. Derek Carr needs that big threat. And the Raiders really need a win, uh, you know, with Gruden out and uh, now Ruggs, you know, very tragically what happened um, there uh, to, to the woman that passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they need a win. They, yeah. they need, the Raiders organization needs a win, uh, not just on the field. And the team's good. They're like 5-2 and two or something or 6-2. and two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like actually pretty good. They're 5-2. and two. So, uh, Odell go to the Raiders, I think, would be the best case scenario. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we kind of get into the past week's NFL takeaways? No, I, I think we covered it with with Odell. Perfect. Um, so, I'll, I'll actually start. The first thing I want to talk about is the Bengals. And Ben's not here really to back them up. Uh, the Bengals are a weird team. I mean, they looked, against the Ravens, they looked like they might be one of the best teams in football. Uh, and then they go and lose to the Jets at home. Or they were away at, at New York uh, with Mike White at the helm of quarterback and uh, the Bengals defense allowing 34 points. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, they only scored, what was it, like 14 or 10 or something, 17? Uh, very weird. So I, I can't really tell if the Bengals are good. I, I'll say this, the AFC North is shaping out to be such a fun conference because I genuinely don't know who's going to win at all. I mean, it's, it's going to be quite an interesting uh, time watching this conference play out and see who is going to take the conference because it really could be any one of those four teams. I mean, don't you think, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I think the Ravens are 
probably the favorite to win the, the division, in my opinion, at least. I just think they are the most reliable overall. Obviously, part of that is past success, right? But I think the Ravens are probably the most reliable. Um, the Bengals, yes, they just lost to the Jets, and that's obviously a, a very tough loss. But we've seen another team lose to the Jets uh, in the Titans and bounce back from that, you know. So there's the NFL's wild, you know. There's a lot of weird results, weird games. I still think the Bengals are good. I still, obviously, I, you know, we've talked about it multiple times. I think with Joe Burrow, like I love Joe Burrow. I think he's gonna be and have an amazing career um, in the NFL. And obviously, you know, the defense can't play as badly as they did against the Jets. They have to return to what they've done in previous weeks, right? So that's kind of the main question mark is maybe the defense, a little bit the offensive line, you know, some issues here coming up here and there. Um, but I still think the Bengals are really solid as well. Um, the Steelers and Browns, I mean, at this point, the Browns, I, I have a hard time believing in with, you know, the injuries they've had, with, you know, some more of this drama going on now. It's just like... Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of like bad luck and also, you know, some of their flaws that have been really um, brought to the light. And then with Pittsburgh, I mean, I've never really believed in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, they're kind of doing exactly what I expected them to. Like Mike Tomlin can grind up these wins and Roethlisberger might have like one good game here or there. He might like, you know, try to really back in a little bit. If you're a Steelers fan, at least he's not really me back in. Um, but you know, Pittsburgh, they're going to be, like, mediocre. They'll be right around 8-9, something like that. But they're not winning this division. You know, I, I I, would agree with you. But at the same time, I don't think it's quite that, you know, black and white. I, I really feel like this division has four solid teams. Um, the Steelers, if they had, like, a quarterback that was even semi-decent, I, I would say they might be the favorite to win the division. They have a lot of good offensive weapons. Najee Harris, the receiving core is amazing. Uh, and a fabulous defensive line and really defensive front as a whole. Um, so I really don't think it's quite that black and white. All four teams I really feel like are capable of winning this division. I mean, a lot's going to depend on health and if, you know, one of them can start streaking and really get ahead. Um... I'd agree, like, if I had to bet on one, I mean, the Ravens are, are in first place at the moment. That's pretty much what would give it away to me. Um, but, you know, the thing about the, the AFC North, I, I know for the Browns and Ravens especially, they have hard schedules coming up, really, really hard schedules. Uh, the Browns really don't have many games that I, I see coming up where I'm like, yeah, that's for sure a win. They're just way better than that team. There's a lot of games that I feel like they're going to be very comparable to the teams they play. I mean, today's going to be a good test for them against the Bengals in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cincinnati's we've, we've seen be really good and really bad. So, you know, what Cincinnati shows up today, if it's really good, I think it might be hard for them to, uh, to you know, pull off a win, but we'll, we'll have to see. Anything else you want to talk about in terms of takeaways from this past week before we look forward? Yeah, so the one thing I wanted to mention today, and this is something that we've maybe here and there, we like kind of talk about it or we like mention it or something, but I think, uh, I think it's time to talk about Patrick Mahomes and his struggles because... Uh, through eight games now, Patrick Mahomes has not been um, the same Patrick Mahomes, frankly. Uh, I mean, he's thrown 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, uh, about a 66.5 completion percentage. Uh, still still has a ton of yards. You know, he's still up there in yards. Uh, but through eight games, um, you know, like you, you can look at QBR, it's about 57. Uh, quarterback rating, 94.5. So you just look at, like, the numbers. Look at how Patrick Mahomes is playing and look at how the Chiefs overall are playing um and it's just it's really interesting because it's kind of Mahomes's first like slump in a sense like his first because this is his fifth year I believe now right so Mahomes uh really hasn't had a slump you know he's just been awesome like from the jump I mean when he stepped foot in the NFL 
um, he he was really good, like kind of right away. And his first four years now um, have been the first four years of any quarterback of all time. I'm not afraid to admit, admit that. Um, as uh, as a huge Tom Brady fan, his first four years of any quarterback, no no quarterback has had a better start to their career than what Patrick Mahomes has had. Um, and now to see this slump, now the Chiefs are four and four. Uh, you know they don't necessarily have a super easy schedule. They do have the Packers today, and they get the benefit of playing them without Rodgers. So uh, you know hopefully they could take care of business there. I guess for their fans' sake, but I just think it's interesting to see how it's going to continue to play out. Will he reduce the to the interceptions in particular? Um, obviously Mahomes in this offense, you know he he loves looking for the you know the deep ball, the, these like crazy, um, like plays the Tyree killer Kelsey. And it seems like Mahomes, at least at times I've seen, it, it seems like he lacks a little bit of patience at times where like, maybe he only has like the short pass, um, available and the deep pass. They're just really like, maybe they're double teaming Tyree kill or they're really focusing on Kelsey, whatever the case may be. And, uh, I don't know. At times it seems like there's a little bit of uh, a lack of patience. I mean, you look at the blueprint that the Bucks kind of laid out last year in the Super Bowl. Now teams are really trying to copy that and they're trying to, you know, really evaluate and watch the tape from that Super Bowl and see how, you know, the Bucks were able mm-hmm. to, you know, just really rush Mahomes um, with I believe only three, three, four guys maybe at the most, um, and then just really keep people keep people back in coverage to make sure they're keying in on Tyree Kill and Kelsey in particular because. Uh, one of the Chiefs' flaws that has been discussed here and there is like that their receiver depth isn't necessarily the greatest. Um, so just something to look out for going forward. The Chiefs are four and four. They still very much could make the playoffs, but you know it's it they're it's definitely not a guarantee anymore. Um, and uh, their their season's a little bit uh, it's a little shaky right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting for the Chiefs. Uh, I, I think Mahomes has struggled this year, but it's been like a, a weird type of struggle because, I mean, he's still thrown for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, it's it, it has been such an odd year. You know, we haven't really seen a quarterback come, you know, off the, it's such a hot start like that. It's completely kind of crashed down. I mean, we, I, the thing to note, though, is that Mahomes, like, big knock coming out of college was that he, he tries to make, do, like, a little bit too much sometimes. Um, and we're seeing that come out of him in year five, which is very, very interesting. So we'll have to see. I mean, I think he'll get out of the rut, whether it's this year or of the following year. Um, but we'll kind of have to see it moving forward. Um, so Trevor, let's, I, mean, I guess we're going to do our predictions now. Yeah, we? sounds good to me. All right, so uh, what, what, what was Ben's prediction? Yeah, so, ben, so Ben's prediction is that he is uh, picking the Rams-Titans game, and he has the Rams... Uh, beating the Titans by 13. Um, I believe this game is yeah. This game's later today. I believe so. The Rams over Titans by 13. That is Ben's prediction. I think he's trying to go a little bit safer here because he recognized how maybe you, when, it's a safe pick <laughs> after making fun of my safe pick last yeah. week, which wasn't. It didn't end up being a safe pick. This is a safe. It's, pick. It's a little bit of a safe uh, pick, sure. but I did the same thing last week yeah. when I when I yeah. finally got yeah. my first point with the Rams. So that's what Ben went with. So I'm going to do an interesting pick this week. I'm going to do the Packers-Chiefs game, which I think is a very tough one. The line is minus 7 to the Chiefs. I think the Packers will win by 7, even without Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Tinfoil Hat. Uh, I will will put the Packers winning by 7 points. I believe in Jordan Love, they have Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Jones. 7 points to the Packers. 
Trevor, what is your prediction for this Yeah, week? that's an interesting one because I was thinking too, like I think the Packers can totally win. I mean, with the running game that they have with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, their offensive line, like they might be able to get it done. I think that'll be an interesting game. Um, with my prediction today, I am uh, picking the Chargers to get a bounce back win here over the Eagles. Um, I think Justin Herbert's going to have a mm-hmm. really good game. I think that Eagles secondary is pretty weak uh, to say the least. I think Herbert is going to... Uh, Really just carve them up a little bit. I have the Chargers winning by 10. Um, now, the Eagles could can run the ball potentially a little bit here on the Chargers. We know their run defense is an issue. Um, but it's not like their running backs have really been incredible. So I, I think the Chargers are definitely a, a more reliable team here than the Eagles are. The Eagles have beaten up on a few bad teams, and they've lost all the good ones they played. So I think the Chargers are going to win this one by 10 points. Hmm, good prediction. I like it. All right, let's move on to our college basketball preview. Um, and Trevor, I know you're excited for college basketball. I mean, this is – did you like college basketball more equal or less than the NBA? So this is something – you know, I was actually t- – I was talking to this with, <laughs> about someone yesterday um, about, like, college basketball or the NBA. Which one do I like better? Uh, I think my answer is college basketball um, overall as, like – Everything that goes into college basketball, I think it's overall better than the NBA mm-hmm. um, if I'm weighing out the pros and cons just because like college basketball, uh, obviously you have like the fans, the atmosphere, and all that obviously is now back, right? So like the fact that it kind of wasn't really here last year was a little bit like, I don't know, it was a little bit upsetting last year. It wasn't necessarily the best college basketball season, uh, but now we have, we have fans back. I think the atmosphere is a big part of it. And then obviously the NCAA tournament to me is the greatest event in sports, just in general. I mean, nothing beats the NCAA tournament to me. So overall, um, while the NBA product is overall higher quality as far as like the basketball and like the way they run their offense, different things like that, I still think college basketball overall is is more exciting. Um, So I would say college basketball Mm -hmm. is is my favorite for sure. So let's kind of get into it here. We're going to go over the major conferences, talk about them a little bit. Um, you know, not go super, super in-depth, but, you know, have a discussion about it. So let's let's start off with the ACC. Histor- historically, one of the better conferences in college basketball. However, this year, it's a, it's a little bit different, uh, Trevor. So what do you think of the ACC? Yeah, like you mentioned, the ACC, I mean, you know, I don't know, the past four or five years, maybe not last year, but, like, before that, ACC is either the first or second best team, or the first or second best conference uh, in college basketball this year it's not I mean it's it's either it's probably third maybe even fourth I would say probably third uh, behind the Big Ten and Big 12 um, but that's certainly a little bit of a downgrade here for the ACC I don't really think there's any great team I mean you look at the top here and you, you have Duke who obviously you know the headliner there is Paolo Banchero I believe the number depending on which recruiting site you look at maybe number two maybe number three freshman in this class he'll definitely be you know assuming you know all things go well he looks good at duke which i expect him to he'll be one of the top picks in the 2022 nba draft um so he definitely having him obviously uh, a big uh, very important for duke i think they'll be they'll kind of bounce back here with coach k's uh, retirement tour you know have a, a solid season but i don't know if they're good enough to win a championship like i, I again like i can go through these other teams as well like north carolina um, you know, they're solid, they're fine, like they're very clearly a top 25 team, but can they be in contention with, 
you know, these other top teams that we'll talk about in other conferences? I don't know. I mean, you know, they still have Armando Baycott there. They got Leaky Black, Caleb Love, like, you know, some solid players um, who have been a little up and down, um, you know. But it's, it's kind of tough. Obviously, now in North Carolina, speaking of, like, coaches, right, and, like, Coach K's retirement t- tour, we have a first-year head coach here, uh, Herbert da- uh, Davis here. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting with North Carolina to see how they, they look as well. Um, you, you can go through the other teams, Florida State, Louisville, Virginia, Virginia Tech. That's kind of like a top six. You even have, like, Syracuse who people will talk about, although Syracuse seems to not always be like a bubble team. And then in the NCAA tournament, they make a splash, make a run. Last year beat my West Virginia Mountaineers, um, which was unfortunate. But Syracuse, they still got Buddy Beheim. Uh, they got Joe Girard. So they'll be solid as well. Um, I would I would expect them to at least have an impact maybe around tournament time. But here as far as my winner pick, I think it's kind of a safe pick. I think it's kind of like by default. And I'm going to go with Duke. Um, it's, it's a little... A little bit boring here, but I think overall you you look at uh, kind of the the negatives and positives of each of these teams. I think Duke probably is the best team on paper. I think they have the most talent. Um, I think that uh, they are the best team, and they have the best player. Paolo Banchero, I think, is the best player in this conference. I expect him to be, uh, I, I guess, the, the player of the year in the ACC. Um, if I were to give a sleeper, I think mm-hmm. Virginia Tech. Um, they have a lot of returning players, but at the end of the day um, – you know, Virginia Tech's a team who they could be interesting, but they haven't really uh, proven it consistently at like the highest level in the tournament. It's not like they've had a lot of tournament success. So Virginia Tech could be a little bit of a sleeper maybe just because of their returning players. Um, but Duke, to me, is the, the best team in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to agree. You know, it, it is crazy to say, but the, this conference is actually pretty close. You know, there's a lot of teams at the top that I think have a chance to win. Um I, I could very well see them getting a lot of teams in the tournament because I feel like there's a lot of just kind of solid players across this conference. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think Duke will win, but I, I think it'll be much, much closer, um, you know, that we've seen. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, last year's ACC was terrible. I mean, really bad. Mm-hmm. Did they really have any teams that were solid, like, during the season? I mean, I mean, you know, Florida State was, like, in the mix for sure. You know, they were up there. They had a pretty solid season like they normally do. Virginia was in the mix. But, like, no, no one was, uh, no one was like, incredible. Obviously, Duke had, you know, one of the, 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 the worst years that they've had with Coach K. North Carolina had a little bit of a down year for sure, too. So, yeah, they didn't really have any amazing team last year, and I think it's going to stay the same this year. The, I mean, the conference will improve this year, but – um, yeah, still, I think, probably the third best conference. Yeah, it's crazy to say, but let's move on to the Big East. That is our next up conference of the Big Six. Um, and, I mean, this is a, a pretty much a one-team dominated conference this year. Villanova is going to be at the top for sure. Um, but, Trevor, I'll let you start it off here. What else do you think of uh, this conference and Villanova as a whole? Yeah, so Villanova, they're the clear favorite, um, as they should be. That's my that's my uh, prediction to win the, the conference for sure. I mean, they have definitely – well, they have three big returnees here, Colin Gillespie, Redshirt Sr., as well as Caleb Daniels and Jermaine Samuels, uh, all Redshirt Seniors here returning once again. Colin Gillespie feels like he's been here like six, seven years. Um, he's just – you know, one of the – Villanova's had so many, like, incredible – point guards, guards in general. You think back to like Ryan Archie Diacono to uh, Jalen Brunson to Josh Hart. They just have um, so many uh, point guards 
they've had have been great. Colin Gillespie's kind of the latest one. And while at times I have been a little bit more uh, maybe down on Gillespie than most, at least in past years, um, he really uh, kind of brought it together uh, toward the end of last year. And Villanova, you know, if you remember, I think Villanova arguably gave Baylor their greatest challenge in that tournament run last year. Baylor did win the game, of course. I think that was maybe Sweet 16, I want to say. Um, but Villanova kind of was the greatest challenge. And now they're returning, uh, you know, pretty much everyone uh, from that team. Um, you know, so Villanova, they have to be in contention here uh, for the championship. I think they're one of the best three or four teams in the country. Um and yeah, they're they're gonna be really good again. Still, obviously, Jay Wright. You know, we know his you know pedigree stuff like that. As far as the other teams, um, there's kind of three other teams that I think are really in contention to make the NCAA tournament. I don't know if all three of them will, but we do have UConn, Seton Hall, and Xavier. Um, all of them very solid teams. UConn. They just lost James Booknight, which is definitely a hit for them. But they still have a lot of talent. Um, you know, on their team, um, the sophomore. Adama, Sonogo, really good. Uh, Isaiah Whaley um, back. You got RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin. So, you know, UConn, they're going to be in the mix as well. Seton Hall, obviously, as I mentioned, another one in Xavier. So I think those three, like maybe two of those three make the tournament, but I think they're all, you know, I don't know if any of them are quite top 25 teams, to be honest, but all of them are in the mix, and you'll see two to three of them probably make the tournament. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, Villanova definitely takes this conference. I, mean, I don't really think it'll be super-duper close. Um, anything else you'd like to add, or we can move on to the next conference? No, I think we can uh, move on to the next conference, which I believe is the Big 12, which the Big 12, mm-hmm. very interesting conference. Obviously, I always have a pretty close eye on this one, uh, with West Virginia being my favorite team. Uh, and the Big 12, unfortunately, um, it looks like Kansas is back at the top. Um now, I think Texas is going to be a big challenger to them. Uh, now getting Chris Beard, um, retaining a lot of their main players like Andrew Jones, Adam, uh, or not Adam Flagler, um, uh, yeah, Andrew Jones and um, Courtney Ramey. So they get Marcus Carr from Minnesota. Texas is going to be a great challenger. I really like Texas. Um, I like Texas last year. Now, Texas kind of laid an egg in the NCAA tournament, of course, as we saw, but I still like this Texas team. I don't necessarily put a ton of stock into them, like having a bad loss in NCAA tournament as it relates to this season. That's kind of in the past. I think Texas will have a really good year. And Chris Beard, his track record is obviously, you know, (laughs) basically now he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. So I think Texas is going to be very close with Kansas. But overall, I think Kansas does have more talent um, on their team. David McCormick, I think is going to have a monster year um, in the paint for Kansas as a senior here. And uh, Oche Abaji returning as a senior again um, should have a really solid year. They get Remy Martin, who's just really can score in a, a myriad of ways, transfer from Arizona State. They also get a transfer from Drake, uh, Joseph Yosefu. Um, so Kansas, again, they just they just keep bringing back uh, the talent, you know, whatever it takes. They're just so consistent. Like, even when you see teams like Duke, Kentucky, like having a bad year here, you know, you know every once in a while, like Kansas – to me, is like the most consistent team. Um, you know, I mean, Villanova is pretty consistent as well, but Kansas is always consistent. And you know, unfortunately, they're kind of the safe pick um, here here to win the Big Twelve. I guess one thing I should also mention is that Oklahoma State. Um, I think this happened like in the last week. 
They have uh, a postseason ban that has been imposed on them. So Oklahoma State, a team who I also thought uh, could be pretty good again this year, even without Kate Cunningham now, has a postseason ban, uh, which kind of sucks for the players, sucks for Mike Boynton, obviously, sucks for their fans, um, because these, uh, like, the, I guess the investigation for this whole thing that they're facing the postseason ban for this year started back in 2017. So it's kind of unfortunate that it took this long to kind of have this uh, punishment come out when some of these players were in high school or eighth grade, whatever the case may be, and now they have to face the ramifications of something that happened four years ago. You know, really unfortunate situation. Yeah, I'm also going to take Kansas. I honestly don't even think it'll be that close. I think Texas is a good team, but Kansas has so many older players coming back or transfers that are seniors of some caliber. I mean, even on like some of the lists that we're looking at, they have like four or five all-team guys. I mean, that's it's going to be tough to, to overcome uh, the other teams of this conference. I, I think this will be Kansas by a good amount. Um, it's kind of crazy. Andrew Jones is still playing college basketball. Yeah. I mean, he's had a crazy story, has he not? Yeah, I mean, that's that's another one. And he's a redshirt senior. Like, seems like he's been at Texas forever. He's kind of he's kind of like the face of, I guess, their program in a sense, similar to like Colin Gillespie with Villanova, where it just like seems like he's been there forever, and he's had and you know kind of a crazy story, and and had a really good year last year, and I expect him to have another really solid year. Yeah. He's a hard player to, like, not root for. Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, we're all kind of rooting for, for him. Sure. Um, let's keep it moving, though. Uh, we're halfway done here. Next up, we have the Big Ten uh, that I believe will be one of the better conferences uh, in college basketball. Trevor, I'm sure you'd agree with me. Um, I think a lot of these teams will be making the uh, the uh, tournament this year. Um, and uh, I- I'm interested to see who you think is going to come out as the winner. Yeah, so the Big Ten, I, I think, is the best conference. Um, I think it was the best conference last year, probably. I think it is the best conference again this year. You look at, like, because it's really between the Big Ten and the Big 12. Uh, and the Big 12, to me, like, has a really solid top three in Kansas, Texas, and Baylor. But then the drop-off after that, like, fourth is probably Texas Tech, I guess, or maybe Oklahoma State. Um, or some people would say West Virginia. I probably wouldn't. I don't have a lot of faith in the West Virginia team this year. Um, but you look at the Big Twelve, Big Ten here, and they have four, maybe five teams here that you know are all top twenty-five teams. Whereas to me, the Big Twelve really only has three. Um, you look at and in the Big Ten, I think Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Indiana. I mean, you could say Indiana or Maryland. Both of them are like right there. Um, you know, to make the top twenty-five, especially those top four. Though I think Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois all guaranteed to not guaranteed there's no guarantees in college basketball but uh they're all uh top 25 teams for sure um and then two of them in particular are championship contenders i think purdue and michigan both uh very solidly are championship contenders uh purdue a team who you know they're in the mix a lot and they've had like some of their good years obviously they have had like like the carson edwards year that they had where you know, they were a really good scoring team, and they, they did a lot of good things. They were in the mix. Then back in, like, early, like, 2010, 2009, they had, like, the the Robbie Hummel teams, you know, stuff like that. Purdue has another really good team, and it's led by um, sophomore guard Jaden Ivey. Um, Jaden Ivey's definitely one of the players that I'm watching out for a lot this year. Um, in terms of guards, uh, I think he's one of the higher NBA draft prospects, so... 
just someone that I'm going to make sure I'm watching. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to catch some of the Purdue games just to learn more about Jaden Ivey and, you know, kind of figure out like his prospects in the NBA potentially. But they have some other good uh, players as well, like Travion Williams, the senior, uh, big man, 6'10". Uh, you know, and so I think they're going to be another, they're, they're going to be a really solid team. I think they're probably safely in the top 10 Michigan as well. And actually this is a close one for me. It is a close one, but I am going to take Michigan. I'm going to take your Michigan Wolverines to, uh, win the big 10. I just think Hunter Dickinson is might be honestly, Hunter Dickinson might be the player of the year of the big 10. I think it's going to be probably between him and Jaden Ivey. Um, maybe even like, I mean, like Kofi for Kofi Cockburn for Illinois could make a run at potentially, but I think it could be either Hunter Dickinson or Jay Nivey. It's probably between those two and Hunter Dickinson. I mean, we've already seen, he's, we've already seen like the dominance that he's already played with, you know, in the past and he's still super young. Um, you know, average 14, seven last year, he's going to be awesome. Uh, the question with the, with Michigan is probably more their guards, like, Eli Brooks, he's you know he's a solid option, and then they did get this transfer from Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones, who I don't know a ton about honestly, um, but you know I, I just think that's a question mark a little bit more so. Whereas I think the front court is a little bit more solid with Brandon Johns Jr. and Hunter Dickinson, who is just a matchup nightmare for opposing teams. Yeah, I was about to say there wasn't enough Michigan talk. I I, I have a lot of faith in the Wolverines this year, Caleb Houston. Uh, is their is their amazing freshman this year? Looks like he might be uh, a high draft pick. Uh, I I have a lot of faith in Michigan. I, I think they're gonna have a really great year, but it's not gonna be an easy path. There are a lot of good, like really good Big Ten teams. Uh, if I gotta pick one team, I'm gonna pick Michigan. Um, I also just know more about them than all the other teams. Um, so uh, it's Michigan. Michigan till we die, right, Trevor? You're a Michigan fan, no, right? No, I'm definitely not a Michigan fan. Uh, but okay. uh, I'm, I'm unbiased, and well, I think Michigan is probably the best team. <laughs> I'm also unbiased, but we'll, we'll move on uh, to the Pac-12, uh, another very interesting conference, and we had a big returner in this conference, Johnny Juzang, the, the you know the, the star of the tournament, if I if I may. Uh, and now they're predicted to be one of the best teams in college basketball with him returning. Um, so, Trevor, what do you think about uh, the Pac-12? Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, the UCLA is very interesting because they're number two in the preseason poll. And this is they're, – so they're number two coming off the preseason poll. And this is a team who struggled to get into the tournament. They were an 11 seed. They played in a play-in game. I think they went to overtime against Michigan State in a game that was very close and theoretically could have – very easily honestly went Michigan State's way and if that's the case I just wonder like if Michigan State beats UCLA in the first four game where where's UCLA ranked then it, like even if they return everyone still where are they ranked are they in the top 25 if they lose to Michigan State I don't know I'm not I'm not sure they are to be honest so the fact that they made that final four run and they did look so good obviously Juzang uh just like he was just lighting it up. He was shooting it super well. Can he shoot that well this year in the regular season? I don't know. I'm a little um, – I'm, I'm not sure. I'm a little curious about that. They have uh, Hami Hawkes, uh, one of their forwards, who also very good player for UCLA. You got Tiger Campbell coming back again. Uh, Peyton Watson, talented freshman. Uh, Cody Riley coming back again. So, you know, they have essentially everyone returning. I mean, Chris Smith, Jalen Hill were their, their two main losses, but – 
it, you know, it's not like they're losing a ton from the team they had last year necessarily. So UCLA should be uh, really, they should be solid for sure. But I just look at that number two ranking and I'm like, should they really be number two? And I don't really think they should, to be honest. And in fact, uh, I don't think UCLA is going to win this conference, actually. I think that the wow. team that is uh, ranked second in a lot of these uh, conference previews, Oregon, is actually going to win this conference. Um, I, I just look at the talent that Oregon has, um, kind of the way uh, their starting lineup looks. Um, with Will Richardson here returning as a senior, you got Eric Williams, a senior, and Foley Dante, uh, the talented center, um, now coming back again. And they got a transfer from Syracuse, a player who I really like, Quincy Garrier, or, or Garrier, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Um, but really solid player from Syracuse that I like. Um, that's kind of a loss for Syracuse there from their team. Um, and I think Oregon is actually the best team in this conference. Um, but it, it will be close. Um, but I just, you know, I think you got to look at that tournament success that UCLA had, and you, you got to look at like, okay, but in the regular season, they weren't necessarily that great. They lost games in a row and stuff. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe UCLA is actually amazing. Um, but I'm just – it's kind of like a wait-and-see th thing for me, and I think Oregon is overall uh, the best team in that conference. So uh, two things I want to mention. Number one, we have Isaiah Mobley on USC, which is the brother of Evan Mobley, yes. uh, who was actually a higher-rated prospect than he was. So definitely something to watch out on U USC. And then, Trevor, I'm upset you didn't mention this. Marion Jackson is at Arizona State, and of course That's he was true. in the MAC at Akron before. Uh, so I'm very upset you didn't mention about <laughs> our, our man Marion Jackson. Yeah, yeah, he's back. And also you got Marcus Bagley, the really talented forward for Arizona State, that'll be an interesting team. And they have Luther Muhammad uh, from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. So a lot of transfers from Ohio State, for Arizona State. Um, they should be interesting. Arizona State's going to be a sneakily good team. And, and also, here, here's another one for you, another Cleveland native, Alonzo Gaffney from Garfield Heights. Oh. For Arizona State. I didn't even know that one. I, I forgot about that. I didn't even realize that Alonzo, Wait, he's on Arizona Alonzo State? Alonzo Gaffney, yeah. Is on Arizona State, which I didn't even that didn't even occur to me. Um, he formerly Arizona State might be really good. This formerly year. at I mean, Ohio Gaffney State, Gaffney was uh, went to Kentucky, right? He was at, well, he was at Ohio State. Oh, Ohio State didn't get yes, a lot you're of minutes. Right, you're right, you're um, right. But obviously, we saw him play in high school. Very good player. Um, but yeah, the Pac-12 is really solid. You know, we had a lot of years there where the Pac-12 was kind of like uh, a running joke. Like, oh, the Pac-12 is not very good. The Pac-12 shouldn't be a power conference anymore. But now. They've kind of uh, had a little bit of a resurgence here. They have some really solid teams. You know, you, you mentioned a little bit about UCLA and their USC and their players, Arizona State. Another team's Arizona. They're another really solid team. Uh, they have a lot of talent. Um, I believe they have the Gonzaga assistant from uh, Tommy, uh, yeah, Tommy Lloyd, first-time head coach, uh, who was an assistant in Gonzaga. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, Gonzaga, we know their history of, like, recruiting uh, international players, and now it seems like that's starting mm -hmm. to transfer over to Arizona here a little bit. So I think Arizona's another team uh, just to kind of keep your eye on. Uh, they should be pretty solid as well. Uh, so our last conference here, Trevor, we have the SEC. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if this one's necessarily a runaway either. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. Before you go, I'm actually going to go because i got a couple little tidbits I'd like to talk about. Javon Quinterly. Uh, went to Villanova, transferred to Alabama, uh, where he's now with the former Buffalo coach. Uh, I'm forgetting his Nate name. Oates. Trevor, help me out. Nate Oates. Nate Oates, thank you. Um, and uh, Alabama's a very solid team. Quinterly will be in the NBA at some point in time, and he's done amazing here at Alabama. 
Uh, we have Scotty Pippen Jr. at Vanderbilt. I mean, that's got to be a name to watch, right? Oh, for sure. Got to be a name. Yeah. Then we have Colin Castleton, uh, the forward on Florida, who actually went to Michigan and then transferred out. A guy that I loved and also was good at Florida uh, last year when he played. Uh, so couple big names in this conference, Trevor. Where do you think this conference is going to go? Yeah, so this is another one um, similar to the ACC where I wasn't sure who to, like, I don't think there was any one team that was standing out as a clear winner. Um, and I I kind of wanted to just, for the sake of not being boring, not pick Kentucky, but I feel like I should pick Kentucky just if I'm being unbiased and, like, who I actually think is most likely to win the league. So I'll pick Kentucky. I think they are the most likely to win. Uh, the league, looking at the talent they have, um, you know, a few different transfers. They got Oscar Shibway, who unfortunately transferred from West Virginia. Uh, just, just a little bit of a sore subject there for me personally. Uh, they got Kellen Grady, the transfer from Davidson, who, you know, had a had some really good years with Davidson. I mean, he was kind of a standout. Uh, Davidson, he's now coming to Kentucky, and they got Severe Wheeler, the transfer from Georgia. So, uh, amongst other, you know, high recruits like Keon Brooks in the past, who you know, should theoretically have a, have a really good year. And then you got Ty Ty Washington, the highly uh, regarded freshman. So again, they have a lot of talent, uh, even looking at their bench, like they have Davion Mintz, who's, you know, was really talented. He played at Creighton at one point, CJ Frederick from Iowa, you know, uh, now transfers over to Kentucky as well. So a lot of talent there. It's hard to deny Kentucky. If I was going to be, if I was going to have an emotional pick, I would have picked Alabama because I really like this Alabama roster. Um, some of these players um, I have actually seen in person uh, at high school. So like Charles Badiaco, who is their uh, seven-foot center freshman, I actually watched him at a high school game in PA. He played for um, uh, it was ISA. It's like it's like a prep school. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched him play. Well, actually, he did not play. He was out of that game, but I saw him. And then uh, Keon Ambrose, who is you know on their bench as well the sophomore 68 he he actually was playing and i watched him very solid player there for um alabama both of them played at isa so nate Oates there you know obviously from you know the midwest michigan area you know getting some of uh, those ohio guys who formerly both of them are actually from canada and then came down to isa in ohio um yeah. one of the things to mention though um about alabama namari burnett um, is, uh, I believe, out for the season, it looks like. Um, yeah, he tore his ACL. Very unfortunate. Uh, transfer from Texas Tech, who I really like coming out of high school. Hasn't necessarily had – hasn't had – Five-star yeah, recruit. five-star recruit. Didn't have that standout year yet, but someone who I was looking out for. Um, but regardless, Alabama should be really solid. A um, few other teams here to mention, I guess. Tennessee, they're always in the mix. And Arkansas is really the one that I am looking out for. Just because uh, Eric Musselman, um, some people like to call him the must bus, obviously big, great track record with, you know, recruiting, with transfers, um, and just has been a really good coach, obviously, all those years in Nevada, now at Arkansas with their run last year. Um, and they have, I don't know, their team's very interesting. It's an interesting mix of players. Uh, you know, they got like a transfer from South Dakota. Uh, who averaged like 22 points. They have Chris Likes from Miami, who I feel like also, that's another player who I feel like has been playing college basketball for like six years, Chris Likes from Miami, Richard Sr. Um, I'm not sure if this is, maybe this is, I guess, fifth or sixth year. I don't know, because of the COVID year. It might be a sixth year, mm-hmm. honestly. But that's an interesting team I'm looking out for as well in Arkansas. 
Awesome. Well, those are our main six conferences, Trevor, but I want to ask you, obviously we have Gonzaga, they're really good, they might even be the uh, the favorite this year, but what I want to ask you, is there any other mid-major teams that you want to kind of speak out on before we wrap up the pod for today? Yeah, so I guess first, real quickly, we didn't uh, mention the American, so there are, it's not really a power conference, and really it's only a team with two really good teams, which is Houston and Memphis. Um, Houston, with their track record, making a Final Four last year. Uh, they should be in the mix as well. I think they're the best team in that conference. And then Memphis, obviously, they're going to be a team we're going to be watching out for because they have Amani Bates and Jalen Duran, amongst other really talented players with Penny Hardaway. Um, now, maybe they finally will win the league here now that uh, they're not worrying about like injuries or you know James Wiseman leaving early, whatever the case may be. Maybe Memphis has a shot here. But as far as some of the mid-majors, the first one that I have to mention is St. Bonaventure because St. Bonaventure... And, and Ben might not like this if he was on the podcast, me mentioning St. Bonaventure because they're in the A-10 with Dayton. But St. Bonaventure, I think, could be uh, incredible. Um, they return pretty much everyone from their team last year who made the tournament. Already was a very good team, especially their defense. They're known as being a very good uh, defensive team, and they're returning you know, almost everyone. So St. Bonaventure is a team that I would really look out for there. Uh, Loyola Chicago, um, they did obviously lose their coach. Um, and they did lose Cameron Crutwig, but outside of that, they returned pretty much everyone. Little Chicago should still be in the mix. They're still going to be very relevant. Um, Colorado State's another one, talented team. They were on the bubble last year. I think they could really make a push in the Mountain West, potentially get the tournament this year. Uh, another one, I guess, WCC, uh, BYU. BYU, they're always kind of in the mix. Like They're always up there. With Gonzaga, I think they're not up there with Gonzaga. No one's up there with Gonzaga, but they're the they're the second best team in the WCC behind Gonzaga. Who we really haven't had, we really haven't talked about Gonzaga because they're not in a power conference. But Gonzaga, uh, just to just to talk about them real quickly, um, they are the preseason number one. I think rightfully so. Um, they have a lot of talent. Obviously, Drew Timmy's returning. Uh, I know that's one of Ben's. I think that's one of Ben's favorite players. Uh, Drew Timmy definitely could be a candidate for. Uh, player of the year, what an award, stuff like that for Gonzaga. But they have another guy who also could be a candidate for that award on the same team, which is Chet Holmgren, uh, the number one recruit in the class. Um, definitely going to be an interesting player uh, to watch all year amongst you know some of the other talent they have. Gonzaga just, again, we've talked about Gonzaga so much in the past year, two years, and now they've kind of become this program that's like, you know, so like year in, year out, they're getting talent. Um, not necessarily at the same level maybe that Duke and Kentucky are, but they're actually not, like, uh, super far behind. I mean, the fact that they just got Chet Holmgren, like, that's uh, a pretty good sign there uh, for maybe their upcoming recruiting success. But Gonzaga, I think, had to be mentioned in this podcast um, because they are going to be very good again, and we'll see. I mean, they still haven't won a national championship. They've been very close multiple times last year again, uh, being the runner-up. Um, you know, so could this be a redemption year? Could Gonzaga finally get it done? I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Well, we'll have to wait and see. It will be a very exciting college basketball season. Uh, and we will be covering it here on the podcast. But I think we'll wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we really, really appreciate all the support on the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller or click the link in the description so you can keep up to date when all of our podcasts go live. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave that five-star review if you enjoyed. Um, with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.